to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Appreciate the thoughts of the service so far. Definitely feel the Holy Spirit leading as Mark talked a little bit. If you want to say the supernatural, that's a little bit what's been on my thoughts and mind as we've looked in Sunday school of, of the angels and how they've met with different ones and how they proclaim uh, the Christ child. And so that's our topic this morning is on angels. As we come closer to Christmas time, we see different uh, ornaments and different images of angels being set out and, and uh, set up. And and I've often wondered, do they really portray what the Bible portrays about angels? And we've also heard the illustration, well, she's an angel or they're an angel. And do we really wonder, do we really uh, take in consideration what that really means? It seems like since the 90s, the secular world has really become interested in angels. I know Guideposts have put out several stories back then, and, and there's been some TV shows put out about angels, Touched by an Angel is one of them. Social media, if anybody's been on that lately, uh, seems like in 2020, there's been more images and pictures and stories about angels or people thinking they see angels. And maybe from a non-Christian perspective, that's one way that they can seem spiritual or act spiritual without a personal relationship with God through Christ Jesus. You know, angels are intriguing, and there's plenty of books and there's plenty of people's opinions about angels, but we want to get the definition and get some questions answered this morning in my own mind, and maybe yours as well, straight from the Bible, straight from God on what angels are, how they are created, what their purposes are, and how they play an impact in our lives. <clears throat> the Bible tells us uh, specific angels in the Bible. Uh, a couple have names. We think of Michael and Gabriel, as we've already looked in our Sunday school lesson. Other types of angels are called hosts, seraphims, and cherubims. So this morning, what we're looking at, there's there's also two different types. There's good and bad angels, but we're not going to look at the bad angels this morning. We're just talking about what we would call the good angels um, this morning. And as opening up, I want to look at two different things that angels are not, or we must never do um, towards angels. And number one is angels must never replace God in our lives. Time Magazine reports, and I quote, for those who choke too easily on God and his rules, angels are the handy, compromised, all fluff, margarine, kind, non-judgmental. They are available to everyone, like aspirin, unquote. Another magazine, Christianity Today, says angels too easily provide a temptation for those who want a, quote, fix, unquote, of spirituality without bothering God himself. And another Author says, angels offer a form of spirituality devoid of Jesus and God, says Joan Webster Anderson, author of When Angels Walk. Somebody may correct me on this, but nowhere in Scripture do you find people praying to angels or praying to God, asking angels to save them or to help them. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I could not find that. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with praying to God and then him sending him his help in, in however way he sees fit, but I've, I've never come across that. <clears throat> we want to look at Matthew 4. We're going to hit several scriptures um, as we look at this. It's a it's a huge topic as I started looking into this, and, and I did not probably take the time that I needed to uh, touch everything, but we're going to hit it. And this is, this is uh, still looking at angels must never replace God in our lives. Matthew 4, 6. And this is uh, Satan talking to Jesus in the wilderness. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Now, Satan obviously is quoting uh, Psalm 91 here, but he's, he's using it in, in a way that he's causing, or he's trying to get Jesus, he's setting a trap, because that's what Satan does, he's, he's, he's the author of lies, and he's trying to set a trap for Jesus to throw himself off, he's gambling with his life, because he's trying to say, well, God promises that he'll take care of you, and Jesus obviously is too smart for that, and doesn't do that. Another thing of, of we see people doing today, of we see people directly praying to angels for different things, and we know that that's a form of, of angels taking the place of God in our lives, and we are obviously against that. We see some people as maybe comparing, making images into angels, or making angels into images like of animals or birds or different things, and we know from scripture that that is not what right is all as well. Um, and we also know that people don't evolve into angels. Angels were a created being, as we'll look at later on. One of the misconceptions of angels as we look at them is, is in a white robe and wings and a halo. And I'm not saying they don't look like that. But angels, as we do our study, they're more of a warring type uh, celestial being as we look in later on. Not not just a white, fluffy, uh, cloud-looking uh, image. So number two, as we look at what we, angels must not do, is angels must never receive worship. Colossians 2.6. Turn there real fast. Colossians two six. Sorry, well two six one Colossians two eighteen. Reading the wrong one. Two eighteen. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary hum humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So here we see uh, Paul definitely saying that we're not to worship angels. Just as we was doing the study, one of the thoughts kept coming to my mind is, you know, why are most angels invisible? Why do we not see them every day? And, and it could be that if we were, and I think I was talking maybe to a brother last week about this, if we were able to see the supernatural world, we would probably become scared. We may worship angels. You know, we humans are prone to idolatry, it seems like. 
twice in the book of Revelation, John had encounters with angel, with an angel, and both times he went to worship the angel, and the angel said, don't worship me, worship God. And so we can take those in consideration as well. Never ask an angel for anything. We pray to God, and he sends the help we need, however he chooses. So those are two things that we see that angels aren't or we shouldn't do for two angels. And now we want to look at what angels are. Number one, angels are created beings, Colossians 1.16. I should have kept my place there. Colossians 1.16. For by him, this is, uh, my Bible has a heading of preeminence of Christ. For by him all things were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him john 1 verses 1 through 4 so we see there the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit as creating all things together Most of you can probably quote this scripture in John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the light, and the life was the light of men. So we see here that everything that was created was created by God. There wasn't anything made that wasn't made by Him. So, as created beings, when were they created? Well, we'll have to kind of read between the lines. Job 38, which is right before Psalms. We know Job was possibly one of the oldest books in the Testament, Old Testament. Job 38, we'll read, let's see, verses 4 through 7. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath, laid, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So we see here God corresponding with, with Job, uh, basically in, in a question form of, of asking Job. You know, Job, Job had quite a few questions, and this is God answering him with the question, as Jesus so often did in the New Testament, basically um, asking if he was with him in the beginning. And the part we want to get out of is where on the foundations thereof fastened, or who have laid the cornerstone thereof. Um, the foundations of the earth were created in uh, the second day of Genesis, and we'll turn, I think we'll go ahead and, and turn there as well. Actually, 
Yeah, we'll go ahead and turn to Genesis 1, verses 8. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So, basically, in the first day, and this, and this is the second day. So He made the made the heavens and the earth, and more than likely, this is possibly when angels were created uh, when He created the heavens. Psalm one hundred four, and I'm doing a lot of jumping around. I apologize. but I figure God's word can speak more clearly than me on this matter. Psalm 104, verses 4 and 5. Who maketh his angel spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who hath laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. So again, making his angel spirits comes before the foundations of the earth. So basically reiterating, uh, possibly angels were created when God made the heavens. So as we look at what angels are, uh, number two, angels are innumerable. Innumerable. Hebrews twelve twenty two. Hebrews twelve twenty two. But ye are come into Mount Zion, and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and, and, and to an innumerable company of angels. So there again we see that word, innumerable. Revelations 5.11 gives an account of how many. Revelation 5.11 and I beheld and heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. My understanding, this was the largest Greek word for uh, the largest number at this time in the Greek language. And so this is what John used to describe how many angels that he beheld. And as we look at a 100... 100 million, um, that's like filling a baseball stadium 2,000 times, just to kind of put it in, in our vernacular. Obviously, that was before COVID. So we look at, look at filling a baseball stadium that many times before COVID. As we look at angels being innumerable, we know God um, knows their number just like he knows the, the number of hairs in our head and he knows the number of stars so even though it's such a huge number god god knows their number and that's not limiting them to be 100 100 million obviously there's more than that so as we look at number three of what angels are angels are invisible obviously while they become visible by god's choice our eyes aren't constructed to to see them as we look at the animal kingdom, we see the the bats have their own radar system. We see that uh, if you're a deer hunter, you know that a deer can smell way better than us. That's why we why people use uh, scent blockers. Some animals can see in the dark, 
and without the aid of light. It seems like geese have a supernatural guidian system to guide them um, as they migrate. Um, so, you know, why, why do we think it's strange that we can't see angels? Um, some, some angels appear in human form. In Genesis 18 and 19, angels appeared to Abraham and Lot um, after, after Abraham prayed. The angels ate, washed, and they walked and grabbed hands. So they took on a physical form um, because God sent them to do this certain task. Hebrews 13.2 tells us how to be careful as we entertain strangers because sometimes we may entertain angels as well or treat um, strangers. Other, other areas in Numbers 22 of angels becoming vis visible for a short time is, is we know that Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel and I should have looked it up, but I don't remember the reason why, but somehow God's anger was kindled against Balaam, and as he was riding his donkey, the angel of the Lord blocked the donkey three different times, and the first time it caused the, the donkey to, to turn off and go another way, and we know that, that Balaam smote the donkey with his staff, and the second time it actually crushed his, as, as the donkey come, was coming this way, the angel of the Lord appeared again, obviously Balaam couldn't see it, but the donkey could, the donkey crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, which made Balaam even more angry. And the third time that he tried to keep going the same way, the donkey actually fell on top of Balaam. So we see three different times, and then uh, Balaam's eyes were open and saw the angel. The other time that, uh, that we see uh, interesting stories in 2 Kings 6, verses 16 through 17, the Syrian army was going up against Israel, and the king of Syria was, his secrets were being told to the king of Israel by Elisha, and the king of Syria was trying to get rid of Elisha, so he camped around about the city where he thought Elisha was, I think it's Dothan is the city's name, and they woke up that morning, and all of a sudden the, 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 the king of Syria's armies were camped around the city where Elisha and his servants were. And the servant was scared. He's like, what should we do? And, and of course, Elisha had, was able to see what was going on. And so he prayed to God that his servant's eyes would be open. And basically, the, the city was surrounded outside them of horses and chariots of fire. And we see that um, the servant's eye, once he saw that, he understood why Elisha was not scared. Now, I just thought about that as we look at the supernatural world, you know, our spiritual eyes can become open sometimes. We can see God's hand uh, help us in a mighty way that we know, kind of like what Brother Mark said, you know, with, with God all things are possible. You know, in, in, our, in our way of looking at things, it looks totally impossible to us, but through God all things are possible. So as we look at angels are invisible, there are times uh, when God has opened the eyes of the blind, so to speak, and revealed his power through his angels. Number four, angels are immortal. Luke 20, verse 36. Then 
this is talking about the children of the resurrection. This is Jesus talking, and, and we'll just dive into 36. Neither can they die. He's talking about the children of the resurrection here. Uh, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. So here's basically uh, relating to the angels that uh, they will not die anymore. Angels don't have physical bodies like us. They don't become sick. They don't uh, become bald. They don't. Um, they don't experience growing old, developing aches and pains, and decay and die. The same Gabriel, this the same angel that shut the lion's mouth with Daniel, uh, which was named Gabriel, was the same one that showed up to Zacharias uh, to tell him that they were going to have a son. So five, that was over 500 years had passed, and it was the same angel. So we see that they don't age. Angels also don't have gender, to my understanding. Number five, angels are powerful. Many times we see angels appearing in the Bible with swords, uh, which is a weapon, obviously. Uh, Psalms 103, verse 20. Psalms 103, verse 20. Blessed the, bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. So here we see here is, is the psalmist saying that there, he's understanding that there's, there's strength in the angels. They have, a, they have a power given to them by God. We said already the Daniel, the sorry, the angel shut the lion's mouth in Daniel. Um, there's an account in in Second Kings where one angel destroyed one hundred thousand uh, Syrian warriors in one night. So we see the power that they wield um, from God. In the in the uh, story of the resurrection, the angel wrote, rolled the stone away, which. Um, allowed people to see into the tomb. In Revelation, it talks about an angel holding the four winds of heaven. So we see that the angels are extremely powerful. They're, they're battle-tested warriors uh, doing God's bidding wherever he tells them to go. Number six, angels guide us. We'll look back at the story we talked about, Genesis 19 of Abraham and Lot. Genesis 19 verses 15 and 16 and here we see the the reaction of a prayer Abraham prayed for Lot you know all of you know the prayer you know he went down is there 50 men found uh, this is in Sodom and Gomorrah he went down to I think five but here we see God sending his angels to intervene for for uh, because of Abraham's prayer 15 and 16 and when the morning rose then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and the two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while they lingered, the men laid hands, laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of the two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, and they brought them forth, and set them without the city. 
So here we see the angels actually taking on a physical form. They literally grabbed the hands and the arms of Lot's family, and if, and, and if you will, drugged them out of the city because they were not uh, being prone to leave as fast as they should have. We know in the dream that the angel spoke to Joseph to take his family to Egypt to escape, um, to escape King Herod of another way of angels guiding us. So number seven, angels protect us. We've all we've touched on Psalm ninety-one. But let's just go ahead and read that. That was a one that Satan was quoting to Jesus in the wilderness. Psalm 91, verses 11 to 12. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. This is the verse that, that, that Satan took out of concept. Context, sorry. So there's, there's, there's many, many stories that we could have took out of the Bible to um, back this up. But I... I looked at different stories and there's tons of stories out there on missionaries um i think one was already touched on sunday school um about how god intervenes in a mighty way but i come come across the story and i'll just read it to you this is a missionary uh, john c Patton, Payton. Um, he was in the south pacific islands and this is his account of what happened one night hostile natives had surrounded his mission headquarters one night intent on burning the pay Peyton's out and killing them. John and his wife prayed all during the terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering them. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ, and Mr. Peyton remembered what happened, asked the chief what kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men that you had with you? John replied, There was no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argued that he had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with swords drawn in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did John realize that God had sent his angels. The chief agreed then that there was no other explanation. And we know that in several stories of where God had sent his angels to protect missionaries and different people. And even in today, not only old stories, but there's still stories today of people being miraculously saved by God. And these are the two last two points I want to look at. And these are probably the most exciting part. Is number eight, angels are intrigued by salvation. Luke 15. Luke 15, verse 10. Oops, if I'm in Luke, I'm in John. Okay, Luke 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And... Just let your mind wander 
uh, for a moment, if you will, is just what that might look like. I know that we experience joy here on earth, but I, I realize, I just wonder what the joy that we'll experience in heaven will just blow our minds away. Um, another word for joy is rejoice. See, as we look at salvation, angels have no need for salvation. They don't, they're, they're not sinners like we are. It says, although the angels rejoice when people are saved and glorify God who saves them, they can't witness, they can't experience the salvation that we experience as humans. And that's, they can just only point to their deem and praise God. And that's why it's important for us to, to witness to others, to tell others and be a testimony of what's happened in our lives and proclaim the gospel as we've experienced that, we've experienced that firsthand. You know, I've got many, many stories in my own life of where God has, has saved me, where he's cleansed me, where he's healed me of my wounds and different things. And, and that's something the angels uh, can't proclaim like we can. So in closing, we look at number nine. And this is probably more around the Christmas season is angels teach us how to worship. Luke chapter two. verses 8 through 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swathing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. See, angels have been praising and glorifying God ever since their creation, ever since their eyes were opened. That was, that's what they've been doing. Satan has attacked the church over the years with different agendas. Can you imagine the impact of the church today if we were doing the things that we were created to do, which is worshiping and praising God? Revelations chapter 7. Revelation 7. Look at verses 11 and 12. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. As we look at angels teaching us how to worship, if these celestial beings, uh, awesome as they are, cry out, cry out to God day and night in praise of God, how more shall we if those if these angels who uh, are pure and splendid fall down before God again and again how often should we I know that because we experience sin we experience trials here on earth but I'm looking at the the praise and worship that we'll experience in heaven that's really what I'm looking at this morning 
you know, we can we can do our best down here through God's help and through His Spirit. But when we experience that transformation of the resurrection, the final resurrection, and living with God, I just wonder. Many of us, many of you know that I love I love fireworks. I'm kind of a pyromaniac, and and I'm just kind of my mind's a little warped a little bit as I, I look at the celebration that is going to go on when we experience that. And I'll just leave you with this Psalm 148. as a closing scripture. As giving praise, this is my Bible heads it as praise from the heavens. Praise you the Lord, praise you the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Praise ye him, the sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commandeth, and they were created. He hath established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy winds, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the, norm, the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the heaven, the earth and the heaven. He, is, he also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord.